The T20 World Cup starts here. It's cricket. Only better. Welcome to Cricket Only Better 104, the first of our special editions for the T20 World Cup, which starts for real on Saturday. I'm Ed Hawkins. Three games to preview. Sam Collins is here to guide you through it. That is one way of describing it, Ed Hawkins. Yes, indeed. You lucky people. We've got all the best bets, trends, stats, pitch data and analysis on drum roll, please. Head. Australia versus South Africa, England versus the West Indies, and the small matter of India versus Pakistan. To help us make sense of it all, sportinglife.com's Rich Mann is alongside us. Hello, Richard. Hello, Sam. Hello. Good to have you. Are you excited? Um, I'm so excited. You know me. Um, and our special guest this week is cricket writer Tasneem Samarkhan, who's going to talk around that monumental India-Pakistan clash. Yeah, looking forward to that. And don't forget, for each of those three games, we've got possible 11s and betting strategies. Indeed. And best bets. What will they be tonight? Don't mess them throughout the tournament. This is a special World Cup 2020 pod, and we'll preview every single game. Our next pod comes out on Monday. In the meantime, let's get on with the show. Right, we've got some housekeeping for you before we get to that India-Pakistan breakdown with Tasneem Samarkhan. First up, the usual Betfair Sportsbook outright odds check. Um, first up, India have shortened to 9-4 to four from 5-2. to two. They're the favourites, followed by England at 4-1. to one. West Indies and New Zealand both at 11-2. to two. Australia steadfast at a terrible six to one. Pakistan are seven, South Africa 12s, Bangladesh 50, Afghanistan are also 50, and Sri Lanka 66 to one. Richard Mann, anything you've spotted in those final warm ups? Good grief. If Australia are still six to one, we're all in trouble. Um, I mentioned it in the, in the outright preview show, Roston Chase. Uh, 10 to 1 for top West Indies tournament run score. Made a 50 in the final warm up game today. Um, exactly what we thought. He's just going to play the anchor role. Still 10 to 1 with Betfair Sportsbook. I just think it's a crazy price. It's wrong. It should be half the odds. Stat of the week this week. This one comes from the fantastic Crick Viz. Tymel Mills has the lowest death overs economy for any seamer in 2020 history. What do you make of that, Ed Hawkins? Well, it's an important statistic because if you listen to our preview shows, parts one and two, I think it was part two, wasn't it? We spoke about England and they've got the worst economy rate as a bowling group of those confirmed teams before the qualifiers came into the Super 12. So Mills' inclusion for England is no certainty, but it would surely help their chances if they got him into that side so keep an eye on that as they're in action uh, on Saturday bring back Ed Smith that's what I say right let's get to the meat of the show three full match previews to come but first here's some insight from Tasneem Samarkhan on India versus Pakistan let's talk India Pakistan which is coming up on Sunday it's the big one and we've got Tasneem Samarkhan, cricket writer, Pakistan aficionado, joining us from New Zealand. Tasneem Samarkhan, how are you doing? 
I'm really well, Ed. I am super excited for, like you said, the big game between Pakistan and India and pretty much counting down the days. It seems a long time since we had one. Yeah, indeed. Long time since we had one. They're not competitive, though. Let's talk about that. Eight wins for Pakistan in 25 efforts against India in white ball cricket. They're overhyped, but they're uncompetitive. Why is that? I think um, what's really fascinating is when you look at the breakdown between Pakistan-India matches um, in terms of bilateral series and in terms of ICC competitions, uh, they tell a very different story. And I think some of that indicates that that lack of competitive, uh, competitive nature in those ICC trophies might be a little bit psychological, particularly for those Pakistanis. They have a a really superior record in terms of bilateral white ball cricket. And like you mentioned, um, when it turns to tournaments, when it turns to competitions, it's a really different story. I believe that the only um, ICC match the champions uh, was the Champions Trophy that Pakistan won against India what in 2018. And apart from that, you've got no T20 competition wins. You've got no ODI cricket wins. Um, and I think that it, it does lead us down the path of the difference might not be in skill set necessarily, but it's something a little bit deeper. Yeah, that's something a little bit deeper. It's all in the head with Pakistan. What are the clues to look out for if their head is in the right space for this game? You know, I think it's almost psychologically impossible for it to be. Um, it's a lot of responsibility on your shoulders because we often in all countries talk about cricket or sports as if it's akin to war or, or something deeper in our societies. And in this case, it might really be truly representative of that deeper stuff. Um, I think it's a lot of pressure to to put on the heads of, um, of young athletes. And I think that it's something that's very difficult to, to overcome. I think Pakistan performed best when um, they don't put that pressure on themselves and they close their eyes and their ears to what is being said about them. Even with the Champions Trophy example in 2018, Pakistan lost horrifically to India in the group stages. And that that match um, that we saw, that, that very memorable um, uh, final, was probably as a result of not having that much pressure, not having that much um, stress on your shoulders. I think that is the only way that Pakistan can be clear. There are often not very many signs of it. I think all you can do is really look for if they get off to a good start. With the makeup of the team and the way that it, it, it currently is, um, the way that the batting is composed, I would say that Pakistan's best chances and the way that they would feel most confident is for Babar and Rizwan to get Pakistan off to the start that they have grown accustomed to over 2021. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? What can Baba do at the top of the order? Can he set the tone? And also interesting, they may well go with Hafiz and Shoaib Malik in the middle order, who, well, will have losing memories against India. Let's just talk about the makeup of the Pakistan side. We've got Saheb Maksud missing because of injury. They've not picked Azam Khan, who's a terrific spin hitter. Those two are in the top five boundary percentage batsmen in the last two years in T20. Do Pakistan know what they're doing in T20 with regard to needing to hit the ball out of the park? Uh, or do they think they're going to win it with those nudges and nerdlers like Hafiz and Shoaib Manik? 
I think that's actually, you've nailed the answer in the question, really. Um, we have seen over the last several years that there isn't just one formula to, to winning cricket. Um, we've probably seen that with the very influential Aussie team at the end of the 90s and the beginning of the 2000s and what the England um, ODI side are, have been doing for the last five years. You don't have to win on everybody else's terms. And I think Pakistan have probably made that decision here. Um, they will try to win with the resources that they have available to them. Uh, I probably agree that Azam Khan could be perceived as, as missing a significant trick, but I think Pakistan are focusing on their strengths. They've had some ups and downs in the last few years, um, those ups being um, the best T20 record of any side who's played this format, um, a, a very competent winning streak um, and some T20 records. And then, then came some changes. Um, Mickey Arthur was ousted. There was a different setup in the PCB, playing a very different type of cricket, a less aggressive form of cricket in general. I think some of that has filtered into the T20 um, setup, but some of it is also a case of, of not necessarily having those power hitter resources that everybody else does. It's partly probably because of pitches. Maybe it's because um, the PSL has been bolstered uh, by those missing batsmen that Pakistan haven't had themselves. So they've not really made up for that lack. Um, I, I believe that picking Shoaib Malik and Hafiz is all about going for strength. Some of it is also probably recency bias. Um, Shoaib Malik has not had the best last 12 months, including that CPL, uh, this last CPL for Guyana, Amazon Warriors. Um, I think what has happened is that he's had a good national T20 uh, trophy. He's had match winning performances and with somebody that experienced, I guess um, there is a, a drive for people to naturally want to put some faith in and attention toward that. They have picked up Heather Ali, um, who like Azam is an exceptionally competent hitter of spin. And I do think that Azam, the general consensus around the camp is that he maybe needs a tiny bit more time to get on that level. But like you said, Pakistan very much know that they're not the West Indies. And while the, the conventional wisdom around T20 cricket is that the team that hits the most sixes wins, we've absolutely seen that Pakistan have had a, um, a prolific winning record in T20 over the last um, three, four years without ever having those six hitters. They're going to try and stick with that. They're going to try and maximize the fact that Babur and Rizwan are the number two and number one batsmen of this year in T20 cricket, respectively. Mohamed Hafiz was last year's top scorer. So they are really going to try and focus on that top heavy order. And if those top that top heavy order comes off, then, you know, you've got players like Imad Vaseem, like Shadab Khan, who definitely are not on Dre Russ's level, but Pakistan are absolutely trying to do the best with what they have. India 1.56 for this one. Has a case been made there? Tasneem Summer Khan, thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Right, fantastic stuff from Tasneem there. Um, our own India-Pakistan preview is still to come. Might be logical to do it now, but as contrarians, we're going to go in chronological order instead. This tournament starts proper on Saturday with Australia versus South Africa in Abu Dhabi. Australia, 1.8 on the exchange. South Africa, 2.12. Ed Hawkins has a lowdown. Possible 11s. Australia, we think they're going to line up like this. Warner and Finch, Mitchell Marsh, Smith batting at number four, who got a particularly stodgy 40-odd, or was it 50, against India. Glenn Maxwell, Stoinis, Wade, Ashton Agar, explain that selection in a second Pat Cummins Stark and Hazelwood South Africa De Kock Bavuma 
Markram, the man on Richard Mann's pyjamas, Rassie van der Dassen, Heinrich Klassen, David Miller, Pretorius, Shamsi, Rabada, Nokje, Nagidi. Australia thrashed South Africa twice in 2020, bowling him out for 96 and 89. Agar took five and three wickets respectively in those two matches. That's why I think he might play instead of Adam Zampa. What does the pitch do? The average score from IPL and the warm-ups in this World Cup and your qualifiers, actually rather your qualifiers in this World Cup, is 149. 150 plus has been busted five out of those 11 games. There's a massive toss bias for the chaser now, reaching for the skies at 72.7%. A wonderful statistical wibble from Ed Hawkins there. Thank you. Um, Richard Mann, surely we're taking on Australia here if they bat first. Part one of our T20 World Cup preview, if, you know, was banned in Australia, it turns out. So derogatory were the comments of Edward Hawkins and your good self. Um, And also we'll get to Warner in a second, so hold fire on him. But what do you make of them? I think they're massively up against it. I think the Walmart matches have shown that they're... They're still in a bit of a time warp, really, Australia. And I've been really impressed with South Africa. I know I put them up as a, as a saver, but if you like, a couple of weeks ago. But I think they've looked really sharp in the warm-up games. Um, and chasing today in the final warm-up match, 100 from my man, Vander Dussen. But actually, they just look like they've got things settled there now. Um, De Cocker, you expect him to come good. Vander Dussen in great form. Even David Miller's adding some fireworks again at the back end. So I think if they were to bat second against Australia... I, I, I think they could chase, maybe not anything, but I think they could chase down a, chase down a high score. I, I just don't see where Australia go in this World Cup. I really don't. Richard, man, starts as he means to go on with a, a big back for South Africa. Ed Hawkins, um, possible in-play strategies, please. Yes, just something to bear in mind with Australia in the field um, and South Africa at the back end of, of their batting innings. Um, Cummins and Stark at the death, 8.6 and under 7 economy rates respectively. So if they're pairing Cummins and Stark at the death, and we often talk about going big um, on innings runs and those last three overs because you see some crazy numbers, I don't think that's a a strategy here for your uh, innings runs because Australia is so tight. However, if they get their bowling order muxed mucked up and Hazelwood is bowling at the death. He really shouldn't because he's a a new ball bowler and he's a middle overs bowler. He should be nowhere near the death because he's approaching 10 and over for his economy rate. So just something to bear in mind. Don't expect South Africa to be going massive at at the end of the innings. Maybe go unders on the innings runs, take some extremes there. And with the bat, Australia, Warner, Finch, Smith, Axis, likes to put pressure on Maxwell and Stoinis. They think they're going to blast them out of trouble. They think they're building a platform for those guys to go big. But the acceleration historically in white ball cricket for Australia has just not happened. Uh, When they put their foot down, it's a bit like a Morris Minor. Nothing actually seems to happen. So bear that in mind as well. Australia may well have a platform and look like they're going to go big, big, big. But go against the tide and look to short those innings runs. An evisceration from Edward Hawkins. Um, The perfect cue to talk David Warner. Richard Mann, we've said it before, he has issues against high pace, so do we short his runs here? 
I think we have to do two warm-up games. He got a golden duck, and then he got one in the second warm-up game off seven balls. Uh, but the thing that's really concerned me about him over the last year or so is against real pace, Mark Wood, uh, Nokia, we'll reappose here, that they've really rushed him. Uh, and I think that's what South Africa will do early on. I don't expect them to start with spin or anything like that. I think it'll be Rabada and it'll be Nokia, and they'll go hard at him. Um, and at the moment, I'm not sure he's got the answers. So as long as the runs line aren't crazy low on Warner, I couldn't put anyone off going, going selling, if you like, going unders. Um, he, he looks to be struggling, and I think pace is, is, is the way to get at him. OK, Ed Hawkins, what do the side markets say here? Well, talking about David Warner, I think and we're pretty sure he's going to play in this game. Just one for the future. If Warner gets axed, I don't know how many games they're going to give him. Um, they must be running out of patience now. I'm sure he's going to play in this first game. But if he fails there, does Josh, does Josh English come in um, and open the batting? So just keep an eye on English's price for um, top run scorer for Australia. There could be some ricks about uh, maybe six or seven to one. He's actually their best hitter, their best boundary percentage hitter, Joss English. So if he gets a go, uh, you could be getting some some value at, at decent prices. And if he doesn't play, you, you get your money back. Um, Mitchell Marson, Maxwell Stoner, Stoinis are going to be um, underrated. Likewise, Glenn Maxwell. I think Maxwell would be my man here. Um, but he can he can have a tendency to struggle against high pace, a bit like Warner himself. So Rabada and Nokjay and Nagidi uh, will be looking to get it up around his chest. Okay. Anything for you there, Richard? Yeah, I'd probably favour Mitchell Marsh here, actually, because I think South Africa are going to come hard with high pace. And he's a good player, pace bowling, obviously grew up in Western Australia. Um, so I think he's a good fit here. He's had a good year. He seems to be settled in the side. Uh, and just a quick mention of Josh English, Ed's completely right. And this is a guy who was striking 175, I think, in the blast last, last season. I think he struck at 140 in the big bash in the winter. This is a serious top-order batsman. And he's a modern-day top-order T20 batsman, something Australia desperately needs to have. So I think if, he, if we get an inkling at some point that Australia are going to make a change, then absolutely get on board with Josh English. He's a very good player and he should be in this side. Okay, fantastic. Stay tuned. England versus West Indies up next, then India-Pakistan and some best bets. Right, part four. England versus West Indies, also on Saturday. This one from Dubai. Betfair exchange prices. England are 1.75. West Indies are 2.3. And as always, Ed Hawkins is poised with a lowdown. Lineups. England, Roy Butler, Milan, Besto, Livingston, Moeen, Billings, Wokes, Jordan, Rashid, Wood. West Indies, Lewis Simmons, Gale, Chase is almost certain to play now. He was out of our part two preview lineup, but uh, Kieran Pollard has said he's vital. Richard Mann has correctly called it. Pollard himself batting at five. Peran, Russell, Bravo, Rampel, Thomas and Walsh. We've left out Hetmeyer head to head. England destroyed West Indies 3-0 in 2019. Ignore it. Only two West Indies players survive from the last of those games. Adil Rashid is an interesting one here. Suggestions that England could leave him out because leg spin is absolute meat and drink to some of these West Indies hitter hitters, Pollard and Peran in particular. So you'll notice we've 
also dropped Owen Morgan from that 11. Richard Mann will probably talk about that in a second. Dubai pitch, what's it going to do? 156 is your average score, last 13 games. 150 or more has been busted eight times out of those 13. So you've got to go hard up front in the first innings in Dubai. Sides have not been getting enough because there's a bias for your chaser is at 69%. Richard Mann, you've started a national movement, sadly not one to tackle the onrushing coronavirus, but um, instead to drop England's most successful short-form captain. Um, Ed's following you in. We think he'll drop himself. What do you reckon? Firstly, I think, he, I think he'll play on Saturday. I, I think he'll, he'll stick with himself, if you like. But I think he probably should drop himself. Ed's dead right. I think Sam Billings is an excellent player of spin. And he deserves an opportunity. He played well in the final warm-up game. The thing is about Owen Morgan, what he's done with this England side, you remember when he took over and they were an absolute shambles and they were going nowhere. He's got players to, to trust in him and believe in everything he said and they followed him over the trenches. And time and time again, when he's, when he's asked them to believe in his, his method, his, his, his all-out aggression method, everyone has bought into it. And I just worry now that when he's looking at these, these players and he's, he's, he's picking his side that they suddenly aren't going to believe in him anymore. They're going to look around and maybe Livingston or Billings or Milan, and they're going to be left out while Morgan plays. And I'm not sure how long he can do that. I think he'll play against West Indies, but I think if they lose, I think that might be the end of the world for him. Oh, big call. Um, Ed Hawkins, you've got a strategy based on some some actual statistics. Yeah, I mean, I happen to think England are, England are too short here at 1.75. It's not a price I like at all. However, they've got the best win ratio in the last three years in, 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 in international cricket, batting first. Um, and we've got a bias here for the chaser. Um, and we've got West Indies second worst behind Sri Lanka, batting first. So there's uh, statistics there which are coming into play which you should uh, take advantage of uh, with regard to that toss bias. I think the toss is everything. Um, you certainly don't want to be betting before it because that would be crazy to quote uh, the erstwhile Paul Krishnamurti. Richard, toss game for you. Uh, two power hitting teams. Bowling looks dodgy, so make the coin flip do the work. What do you reckon? Well, speaking of Paul, he, he'd, he'd be, he'd be turning in his in his Greek deck chair right now because I'm going to make the case West Indies I do think it's a 50-50 game um, I know they've been beaten in the warm-up games of West Indies but this is what they do and when they get to tournaments these big T20 tournaments when it matters they generally turn it on someone generally comes good in that batting lineup, and and I think if they were batting second again I think they're capable of chasing anything a little bit unpredictable of course but they're so so dangerous and then on, on the flip side again, um, excuse the pun, if England win the toss and bat second, West Indies bowling looks really, really weak. And I think England could chase everything. As Ed says, you have to favour the chaser here. Um, and I'll be looking in the side markets for a bet. OK, yeah, Ed Hawkins, tell us about those side markets, please. Yes, I think there's an angle here on Bairstow's too rather well. Uh, Bairstow's got two weaknesses in white ball cricket against high, high pace and slow left arm. Now, West Indies don't have either of those unless uh, Hossein plays the slow left arm spinner and they'll be able to attack him with slow left arm. But I don't think Hossein's going to play because he's just come into the squad as a replacement for Fabian Allen. So Bairstow could be really, really dangerous here and Betfair Sportsbook 
17 to 2. Top match batsman is a price that stands out for me. Just a top run scorer for England. He's 4 to 1. I think Bairstow could have a have a decent go. Okay. Um, anyone else? Richard Mann? Yeah, I mean, I've got it between Bairstow and Butler for England. I think they're England's best two players of spin, and I think they're best suited to these conditions. I've gone with Butler just because he's going to be opening. He'll get first go against what I think is a really weak West Indies bowling attack. And because I think it's probably a, a, a 50-50 game, toss is going to be crucial. I've gone Butler man of the match and I've gone Roston Chase man of the match, one from each side. Um, the angle with Chase, I know he's not opening the batting, he'd be batting three or four, but he bowls a bit as well. And I think in this West Indies side, they're probably going to need his bowling. So you get two rolls of the dice there. So Butler and Chase, I'm happy to have one on each side of the man of the match market. Yeah, Butler five to two, Betfair Sportsbook. Roston Chase, a big price at sevens for a guy we know is going to bat at number four. Gosh, that's big. That's a, that is a bet. He's continually underestimated Roston Chase. And I think when it comes to Saturday and people actually realise, oh, they are going to leave a big gun out for Chase here. Um, I think people suddenly will have caught on, but hopefully we're ahead of the curve. Okay, done. India, Pakistan next. And then the best bets. So the big one, part five, India versus Pakistan. It's on Sunday. It's from Dubai. Betfair Exchange have India at 1.56, Pakistan at 2.74. Ed Hawkins. India 11, possible. Rahul Rohit, Kohli, Kishan, Pant, Hardik, Jadeja, Ashwin, Kumar, Shami and Bamra. Pakistan, Babrazam, Mohamed Rizwan, Fakazaman. It's a great top three. Hafiz and Shoaib Malik, that's where it goes wrong. Azif Ali and Hassan Ali charged with late hitting. Hassan Ali is one to watch. He's vastly underrated with the bat. Could have a very big tournament. Shadab, Afridi and Ralph. Look, India utterly dominant on the head-to-head, as we've spoken about with Tasneem Samarkhan earlier. They've won seven from eight in T20. They're rarely competitive, these games. So let's keep our fingers crossed that we get something worth watching. Richard Mann, big game this. India, we talked about them in the preview show, part two, and their Kohli problem. Probably only playing five bowlers. Um, Is that where an edge might be for Pakistan? Because they do have potentially up to seven bowling options with Ed's anticipated 11. I think it's potentially an edge if Pakistan are brave. And I think in order to win this game, and I know it's a massive game, high-pressure game, lots of attention back home but I think if Pakistan are win, to win this game they've got to be brave they've got to take India on right from the start the best player Babrazan has got to be aggressive up top not only to take the game to India but actually to try and stretch his five-man attack if they can get at Ashwin if they can get at Bhuvanashwakumo who has been struggling a little bit but put so much pressure on Bumra I mean they have to get Bumra into the attack earlier than, than Kohli usually likes to do he likes to save him for the death that is Pakistan's route to winning this game I know we've talked about this wonderful top order, this one, two, three, and the great opening partnership, and they can accumulate at the start. But I think here they've got to be aggressive. They're the best three players, and they've got to take it to India. And if they do that, they've got a chance. To get a big score, they've definitely got a chance. Um, but this isn't one for, for hiding behind the sofas. They've really got to take the game on, in my view. Okay. Ed Hawkins, what's your view? 
Well, I think they probably need the toss bias in their favour, or rather we need the toss bias in their favour to, to get with Pakistan here because uh, there's uh, India just, what's the phrase, they're living rent-free in their heads, aren't they? So uh, a bit worried about uh, Pakistan uh, losing their heads in in this encounter because it's such a huge game for them and it's uh, it just gets too big and they get overawed or they get too tight and they can't play their skills. So uh, if we're going to be betting them or we're going to be laying in uh, India at those short prices, which basically you want to be doing, uh, because that's mighty short about a, a T20 side, uh, let's get the toss in our favour with Pakistan. OK. Um, Richard Mann, one thing, both sides have been scoring runs. Is this, is this potentially a game to risk going overs? India runs possibly pitch mid 160s, Pakistan maybe 162.5. What do you, you reckon? Personally, I think if it's a 150, 160 game, I think that's where in India at the best, the, the bowling probably hasn't been stretched if, if the opposition are only scoring 150, 160. So the best five bowlers can get through the overs. And I think India with with that experience of winning these big matches between the two sides, you'd fancy them. But I think Pakistan, I think they've got to be aggressive. And I know that we talk about that lack of big boy power in their middle order, but the top three have got that. And I, if Pakistan batted first, I probably wouldn't be looking to go over 160, but I maybe look to go over 180, 190. A bit like what happened at Trent Bridge in the summer against England. Really have a go. I hope that's the way they take the game on. And I think it's one of those. I don't think Pakistan can win if it's a middling match, but I think if they can make it a, a real muscle fest, if you like, a real a real heavyweight clash, I think that's where Baba uh, and Mohamed Rizwan and Faka can really take it to India. And I think that's how they can win. So I'd probably play the extremities on Pakistan overs if they're back first. Okay. Ed Hawkins, side markets. Yeah, Richard mentioned Baba there. Uh, well, he's got deity status in Pakistan. So if he actually gets runs against their rivals, goodness knows what they'll what they'll do for him. This is his first T20 uh, performance against India. So it's going to be really fascinating to see how he goes and how he copes with that pressure. But if we're getting around about five to two, uh, top Pakistan run scorer, look, that is a price on win rate. <coughs> Kohli, rather interestingly, has a 42 runs per innings mark against Pakistan. So he brings his A game, whether he's a busted flush now, uh, we'll find out. Um, and just a clue as to whether Pakistan are going to be on it here, because you, you know what, you know what you're going to get with Pakistan. Uh, they're either going to be absolutely brilliant or terrible. An early clue with the ball is if they're on the money against KL Rahul. The data is quite clear on how to bowl to this, guys. you got, You've got to bowl absolutely dead straight, just back of a length, uh, because he really struggles to get the ball away. Difficult skill to get right, few sides manage it. But Shaheen Sharafridi, Aris, Harris Ralph, they're top bowlers. And if they're pinning Rahul down, that shows that they've done their research and they're on it. OK. Um, anything for you, Richard Mann, from, from well, that? Well, excellent analysis for Med. I mean, even Sam Cohen, actually, in Test cricket, has, has managed that against Kehal Rahul, going straight at him. And if, if Shaheen can manage to get this white ball, and I know it doesn't swing, but in the first over it might do, that might be the way to get at Kehal. Um, and the other angle, actually, is I think we'll start with Shaheen, and I think we'll start with Imad Wazim at the other end and try and get at Rohit Sharma. Fabulous player, of course. It can be a, bit, a little bit vulnerable to spin early on especially spin going away from him. So, so Pakistan have got some real tools to get at India here. But as Ed says, they need to be on it. They need to get things right tactically as well. 
Um, look, I'm really excited. I just hope Pakistan do the basics right because if they do, they've got a chance. Good, good, good. What a show. Fantastic stuff, guys. Thank you. And now for the really good stuff, Richard Mann's best bets. Ed Hawkins, talk us through the best bets, please. Yes, Richard Mann's going to give you his best bets for these games that we've been covering, and he's a man to follow, plus 21.9. We're putting him head-to-head during this T20 World Cup against Paul Krishnamurti, who's going to be on our next show, which is believed is coming on Monday. be good if we could get sort of a uh, sponsor for this sort of competition, maybe a scooter or... Uh, company they normally give scooters away in these world cups don't they but richard what is your first bet right i'm gonna go with uh josh butler top england batsman in the opener against west indies and how many more are you gonna give us so i'm gonna use all my five units so my second unit is also with josh butler but that's in the man of the match market and in the same match the third unit is going roston chase to also be man of the match and then if I may, I will finish up in the South Africa-Australia match. I'm going to go Mitch Marsh, top Australia batsman, one unit. And I'm going to have my final unit uh, on my man, Rassi van der Dussen, top match batsman. That wraps Cricket Only Better, episode 104. And listen, 105 is not far away. It's coming on Monday. We've got, we've got Paul Krishnamurti here and we've got five games to get through. In the meantime, don't forget to check out betting.betfair. Every single World Cup match is previewed on site and there are special offers to boot. See you on Monday.